Hello and welcome to the Ice Guys, brought to you by the National Hockey Now Network. This is the show that takes you into the world of the National Hockey League. Every game, every day, from a betting perspective. With pro sports handicappers, Ian Cameron, Alex B. Smith, and various guests from the world of hockey and sports betting. And now, here's your host, Ian Cameron. Welcome to the Ice Guys, presented by National Hockey Now. Friday, May 19th, Ian Cameron uh, with you. Uh, hopefully, you're all alive, alert, and well. It may not be easy. Uh, after the uh, marathon session we went through last night in Game 1 of the Eastern Conference Finals, an incredible uh, start to that series. And, of course, we'll recap that in just a moment. Uh, Rob, Jimmy Murphy, of course, is with us on Fridays, joining us shortly. But we've got a guest once again joining us here on the show today. First time on the uh, Ice Guys, former pro hockey player James Sixsmith joining us here uh, on the show today. Uh, James, welcome to the Ice Guys. How are you? Good, good. Thank you, uh, Ian. Uh, we're, we're, I'm good here, and uh, thank you very much for having me on. I'm looking forward to it. Where are you residing these days? Orlando, Florida is home now. Um, I you go. You know, got tired of freezing my ass off after all those years. So here we are playing some golf and enjoying some warm weather. And unfortunately, one of those states that's a little behind the curve as far as sports betting is concerned. But that's another story. Uh, yeah. Them in Texas uh, and California, those three states. I mean, we got to get their asses in gear uh, as far as getting uh, that rolled out in those three states. But uh, nevertheless, uh, let's talk about your hockey days first. Um, you know, long career in pro. I mean, it started in North America, college, AHL, ECHL. Then primarily I saw over in Europe, mostly in Norway, you ended up playing for a lot of years. Yeah, it, it's um, – I had the, the – the journey's a little bit different now, Ian. Um, I know you're from the Hammer. I actually played with a guy, a couple guys over there um, from, from your area. But – it used to be, and I say this, I don't want to sound like a grandfather when I said this, I graduated in college in 2007. And when you, at that time, when you went to Europe, you were done, like were done, like you weren't playing in the NHL. Um, and that's what I mean when you were done. And, and the teams knew that the teams over there, of course they knew, Hey, I can pluck a guy that's a East coast, AHL, you know, kind of a, a guy. And, He's probably frustrated. He's probably not making any money and, uh, you know, uh, we'll bring him over and we'll pay him a lot more and he'll be happy. And, um, and, and that, that's really what happened. Now I think it's a little bit different because you got guys go, going over to Europe and then coming back to play in the NHL. But then, you know, I went to Europe in 2010. That really wasn't happening um, very much. So, uh, you know, I went over there and you, you mentioned Norway. We could talk about, you know, each place I played if you want, but Europe was a bit more of the wild west, especially some of those countries. And I ended up in Norway because I first went to the Austrian league and so, and I, they weren't paying like, so we got to, um, you know, we got to into September, October, and they kept making up excuse after excuse. And the Norwegian team had a Finnish guy that just got hurt. And, and I went over there and, you know, I, I stayed and then, they re-upped me and I started having kids and I didn't want to leave Scandinavia because, and we could talk about the differences, the intricacies between all the leagues, but to make a long story short, I started in Germany. It was incredible. And I, I never left. Nobody says that. a bad thing about Germany ever. We've had a million fucking players on the show say nothing but good things about. Yeah, in Germany. I, I agree. Ian, and, and the, your, your listeners that probably played, I mean, you've had a lot of guys that, uh, um, you know, household name guys on here and, the thing I always say about Germany is 
Germany was the best of everything. Like, it, I, it, if you're sick and you can go anywhere you want, go play in Germany because, you know, the uh, the culture of, of partying and stuff, you were able to do whatever the you know you wanted. Nobody cared if you, you lost the game and you had a couple of beers after the game. In fact, when I was playing in Cologne, the big, the second biggest sponsor of our team was a beer, you know, it was a beer sponsor and they'd have beers in the room, you know, after every game. And as opposed to when you're playing in Sweden, like you can't even look at a beer before somebody's calling the GM on you. Um, now, and, and so that's what I mean when I say you're cops, huh? Germany, Germany was kind of the best of both worlds, right? There's, you'd play some of the games in front of 20,000, 18,000 people in these derbies felt like you were playing in the NHL even though I never did, felt like what it would be to play in the NHL. But you also had a life, too. It wasn't like, oh, Sixer was out drinking last night. It's like, really, man? I was having a beer with my family. Like, does that mean that I'm a drunk and I can't play hockey? Like, um, so, yeah, that was that was the only downside of some of those countries is they look at you through this magnifying glass and it sucked. Yeah, I mean, it's – and that's – uh. It's unfortunate, too, when you're getting overly scrutinized like that. That's not the way it should be uh, when you're playing in it really in any league. But uh, and like I say, if, if there were issues paying players, that's a that's a big time problem. You know, we're not here for free. Uh, we're yeah. living. We're here to put food on our table. I know it's peanuts compared to what NHL players make, but still you expect to get paid. Well, not not really, though, Ian, like because when you get to Europe, the reason they like let, let me give you an example. When I was playing in Milwaukee. I was on American League deal. I was making league minimum, you twenty eight grand a year. And over on the other side, we're playing in our division, like Chicago Wolves. And I can say this because he's a really good friend of mine, um, is a business partner of mine, Jason Krog, who basically like had video game numbers in the American League and had NHL, you three hundred NHL games or whatever. He was making like seven hundred, you know. So it was like there was such just and the American League was wow. so good too. It was like one of the yep. best leagues in the world. You got guys making peanuts. So you go to Europe because they offer you five times as much money. What They'd make more in Europe, yeah. You know, yeah, you okay. you make yeah. you, it'd be stupid not to go. Yeah. And, you know, so uh, let me close this door real quick. Uh, no problem. There is. Uh, yeah, there we go. That's what happens when you have families. You know, you got noise in the background and people milling around. There we go. Yeah. Sorry, I'm trying to. Uh, the vacuum's going. I'm sorry about that, guys. Um, so yeah, that's um, that, that's really why. And and the GMs are smart, man. They know like. Oh, uh, Sixer, he's got to be frustrated. He's been bouncing around the minors for three years. Like, let's give him a call. And then they, you know, they call you to the DEL and it's like, how do you not go? Right. Um, yep. and, and you give up at the time. The hardest part was you got to give up on the dream a little bit. Cause you're like, man, I was going to be a hockey player in the NHL my whole life. And like, that's the first realization that you're not going to be, but you know, it is what it is. You got to make some money too. Right. So that's, that's kind of where, um, and maybe it's a little bit different now. NHL dream dying versus immediately better improved financial situation. Right, right, right yeah. exactly. And you're not playing these shithole American cities either, you know. So, not a big Fort Wayne fan, I should say. <laughs> yeah, Trenton. I mean, give me a break. <laughs> yeah, there's some uh, podunk towns, no doubt. That uh, uh, and AHL, ECHL, for that matter. Uh, as well, same thing. Very, very small towns, crap-ass little small places that, uh, you know, a lot of people would say, what the hell are we doing playing here uh, right now? Uh, but, yeah, just incredible, uh, you know, long, winding road, if you will, 
that you took uh, throughout the uh, hockey days. Uh, yeah. How are things in terms of your NHL stuff right now? How much have you been able to watch your the Stanley Cup playoffs? And so far from what's transpired, what stuck out to you? Yeah. I, I watch quite a bit, man. I've always been a hockey fan. I wasn't one of those guys that was like, oh, I play, but I'd never watch it. I was always kind of a hockey, uh, you know, a hockey junkie. Um, yeah. I, I probably don't watch as much now, but of course in the playoffs, watch a ton. I, I loved Carolina at the beginning of the year, um, but I, I can't say that I thought it would be as an easy of a path as it will be for them. I mean, I know that they're down now to Florida, but now that Boston's out, you know, you got Colorado out on the other side. Some of the, the big teams that people were talking about, it's um, – I think it could be their year. I love Brenda Moore. Um, but Florida, man, they have like an it factor. So I don't know in the East, man. I, I, I think it's um, it's going to be a dogfight this series. Yeah, I think so too. And uh, we'll get into the recap of last night's game in just a second. As well as tonight, we'll preview game one Western Conference Finals with Dallas and Vegas. A good betting card actually coming up for me in that game. There's no question about that. Uh, there is no family in the background for me, JT. I don't have family. Uh, you know, family is uh, elsewhere, you know, in other parts. Uncles, aunts, parents, they're all, they're elsewhere. You know, this is basically on my own here. Uh, and uh, definitely uh, it's been that way for years. And that's why it's so quiet. And I love it that way, quite honestly. Uh, so uh, Nice to have uh, tranquility and serenity too when you when, when you live. Uh, that's it's one of the uh, perks of being single. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, you know, look when you look at the uh, Carolina Florida series. Let's uh, turn our attention back to uh, last night. And you know, when you look at it, this series has been just um, or this game, I should say, not series. It's only been one game, but that game last night was just incredible. Just the uh, the the the, the, t the twists and turns. The amount of endurance that both teams had to go through, we're talking four overtimes, you know, and basically more than two games. These teams ended up playing, what, seven fucking periods of hockey. It's really incredible uh, what they all went through. And look, I was just impressed by the goaltenders more than anything. I mean, neither of them, you know, stood down, you know, and would and would bat an eye. You know, and it was just a really great duel between Sergei Bobrovsky and even Frederick Anderson. You know, let's give uh, Freddie Anderson a lot of credit. You know, I thought, in fact, in overtime, I thought he had to make the tougher saves because if you watch that game, Carolina started strong or actually Florida had a good first period. Carolina started to play better after that. Florida was actually very unfortunate to be down one nothing after the first period. I thought they played a very good first period. They got into penalty trouble, maybe a little questionable on the second call, but it resulted in the Carolina goal to make it one nothing. Uh, and then, of course, I thought later in the game, though, Carolina started to get better. Third period was definitely a good period for Carolina. They were all over Florida. They tied the game 2-2 early on. Florida in the second period got those two goals. Barkov, man, if they get Barkov scoring uh, in this series, that's going to go a long way for Florida's chances. He only had two goals before last night. And then, of course, Carter Verhage, who has continued to be uh, just phenomenal throughout these playoffs. Uh, he gets the 2-1 goal. Carolina ties it on the power play again early in the third. Uh, and then it ends up being a stalemate. We go to overtime, and really in overtime, it was all Florida. Florida was better in the first overtime. They had the better play. They had the better chances. They shot the puck more. They had the puck on their stick more. And that really carried over into the second overtime, the third overtime, and the fourth overtime. It looked like Florida had more gas in their tank, more stamina, more energy. 
you know, as those as those overtime periods went on. And I was starting to think once we got into the fourth overtime and Florida was really coming close to winning, like we saw them hit a post. Uh, we saw Freddie Anderson have to make just a couple of spectacular saves and some of the best saves I've seen Freddie Anderson make uh, in a long time. I sensed in that fourth overtime, of course, I was stupid not to bet it, but I kind of got that sense like I think Florida is going to win eventually. They're coming so close. The counter argument for me that held me back on betting Florida live, which was plus 100 on the money line at the time, was that how many times do we see an Aki, and James can speak to this, someone who played, hey, the one team's got carrying the play and all the chances, all the chances, you make one mistake at the other end, boom, and it's in your net. You know, that does happen quite a bit, and I was worried that might end up happening to Florida, but it didn't. It was Carolina that made the mistake. Brent Burns can't get the puck up out of the zone, off the boards. It stays in the zone. It ends up getting turned over, at least a wall battle. A boards battle was won by Florida. It comes to Matthew Kachuk, and he wires it. Top corner over Freddie Anderson, no chance. Uh, and there's your overtime game winner. Late in the fourth overtime, final minute of the fourth overtime, we were that close to getting to a fifth overtime period last night. And Florida takes game one. Uh, James, the magic carpet ride continues for this team. That's now seven straight road wins. Uh, in the playoffs for the Florida Panthers. Bobrovsky continues to be just spectacular. This team can do no wrong. Like they, It's just everything that the Florida Panthers touch turns to gold. Uh, they are on this magical ride right now, and it continued with another win last night. I mean, I'm a, I'm a diehard Caps fan, right? So I saw this this shit happen last year with Washington when you know Florida won the President's Trophy last year, right? And... I know they made some moves, but they got the core of the team is pretty much the same. They, I think they got some, you know, poor goaltending at points this year. And now everybody's talking about how, of course, they beat Boston. And that was a huge thing because of Boston's year. But like, you know, Florida, we for, a lot of people forget how good they were just a year ago. You know, they were they were awesome. And they still got like Barkov is unbelievable. If he, you know, Like you said, if he gets going. Um, and, and, you know, Bobrovsky's playing like he does. They're, they're as dangerous as anybody. I mean, that's it, um, – I don't think it's one of these guys like Seattle or something where you didn't expect them. They came out of nowhere this year and, and played well. I mean, Florida was so good last year that um, I, I, I don't know if I'm that surprised that they're playing well. I mean, they, they knocked them out. Verhage, talk about Verhage. I mean, he knocked Washington pretty much single-handedly out of the playoffs last year. I think he might have had three overtime goals in that series or something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I think that they're legit. I think we need to start talking about Carter Verhage is a huge big time playoff performer. I mean, last year he was, he was one of the few guys that played well for Florida. Remember when they got bounced in the second round by Tampa decisively got swept, but in the Washington series, which was a lot tougher for Florida than people thought it would be. Carter Verhage was probably their best forward uh, in that series. And yeah. look at the way he's played here in yeah. the playoffs this year for them. No doubt. I think he had 12 points or 13 points in that series against Washington. They couldn't stop him. Like he ended up, I think ended up scoring the goal in OT to eliminate them, but he was unbelievable in that series. And that was kind of his coming out party. I think was that series. And he was good in the series after that. Then he scored, of course, to be bought, knock Boston out of the series. And and he could have scored last night in overtime again. You know, yep. he had that one that was pretty, uh, that was pretty close, but no, no doubt. Yeah, it was a great performance by uh, Florida last night. Verhage, Kachuk, of course, after not scoring at all in the Toronto series. That's what's amazing about that Toronto series. They didn't get a goal from Matthew Kachuk in that series. He still ended up beating the Leafs in five games. He gets the uh, overtime winner. 
and Bobrovsky was again spectacular. And uh, now we're going to find out, look, I'm not worried about Carolina. There's people that are going to go into game two now saying, oh, they're distraught. They're just, they're just absolutely shot now and losing that game the way they did is, is, is painful and they're not going to be able to get up off the mat and it could be tough to bounce back. Put it this way, if they lose in game two again, Carolina, it's going to be because they were beaten by a team that played better. I don't think it's, oh, it's a, you know, we're you know, crestfallen, we're destroyed mentally, emotionally after losing that game. I think this team's resilient and veteran enough and their coach is good enough, Brindamore, to make sure that their heads mentally and physically and emotionally are in the right spot after a tough, tough, look, brutal loss, brutally painful, tough loss last night, no question. But I don't think that's totally shot Carolina for the rest of this series, in my opinion, uh, moving forward. So I think they, they this team still uh, has that ability to, uh, bounce back and get back on track following uh, a really tough loss last night. Yeah, James, go ahead. No, I didn't have anything. I just oh, okay. myself because my oh, there you go. The dog. Head, it's very appropriate head. that the dog was barking. That's just right there was, in the background for you because the dog was in. barking last night uh, on, yeah. in that <laughs> hockey game. Uh, the Florida Panthers, who got that uh, game one overtime win. Uh, we got Jimmy Murphy with us, and uh, I have saved the Kyle Dubas GM news uh mm. until jimmy or we'll get to that in a second but first jimmy uh welcome in uh thoughts on last night a marathon panthers and hurricanes well i as you can tell my eyes are a little uh baggy today oh, that's, that's join my the club. thoughts buddy join the club <laughs> yeah you look a lot better than me though but yeah um i'll tell you i thought look i look at that game and it's funny i actually guys I've been so I've been battling something this week. I don't know what it was, some kind of bug. And so I, after the second period, uh, just press record. I'm like, I'll get up at like six in the morning, watch the rest. And we'll turn on the computer. I've done that plenty of times. And um, <laughs> I wake up at like, so I probably fell asleep about 10. I wake up at like one, maybe quarter one. And I'm like, oh, I wonder who won the game. I couldn't resist checking. And then I'm like, wait a minute, what? Still going? And so I get out of bed, I start watching again, and then I'm wide awake until 6 this morning, thanks to that. But what a game that was, guys. I mean, look, first off, I want to get this off my chest, too, because I've been reading a lot of uh, debating about it back and forth on social media today. I've got no problem with the long overtimes. I think it makes uh, hockey unique. I I think it's, it's just, it's a character of it. It's a character trait. I think it shows the endurance and the will mentally and physically of these guys. Uh, I love it. And I don't want to see them do away with that. I know a lot of no. people are like, let's go to three on three overtime and end it quick. No, this is what the Stanley cup playoffs is about. This is why it's the hardest trophy to win in pro sports hands down. So I'm all for it. I hope they keep it, but I keep seeing people talking about changing it. But as for that game, I mean, look, I would have thought then when, when Carolina came back to tie it, home crowds going and man, what a, home crowd that is that's one of the best places guys that i i love going to uh pnc on the road because it it's just like such a college football atmosphere or a college hockey atmosphere it's really fun they're on their feet the whole time so i thought with that crowd going there's no way florida's gonna win this and once again like you said the dogs they are they just they don't they don't go down they are rocky bell boy on skates they do not go down they come down they come back up and you know they got that? better with every period. That's yeah. what was insane. Except- I thought they were better in the fourth overtime than the third overtime. Better in the third overtime yeah. than in the second overtime. They're well, just they were definitely better in the third period. Men. You can't they, kill them. Yeah, yeah, they they were definitely better than they were in the third period. 
I mean, for them to survive that third period, wow. that's kind of like, right? That's the Rocky Bell boy, you know, Rocky three there with Clubber, Clubber Lane. He's like, that all you got? That all you got? Come on, hit me, hit me. And that's all they were doing. They were taking shot after shot, and they let Bob do, do his job. And then they said, okay, now we're going to play. And, you know, they almost ended it right away. We can debate that till the cows come home, whether that should have been a goal. But the bottom line is they stuck with it, and, and they get it done. And, I mean, I don't know, guys, at this point, it, I think it's really split down the middle if we're talking Con Smythe at this point, whether it's Bobrovsky or Kachuk. You know, with the Oilers guys gone, with Drysdale out, I mean, th- that has to be one and two right now if you were to vote right now. So just an amazing job by then. Really happy for Paul Maurice if he can pull this off. Uh, I am officially on the Panthers bandwagon. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, I'm happy for Paul. Paul's been to four conference finals, and look who we've got here. we got a little guest with hey. us. Hey. Uh, uh, who's your uh, little girl, little one here, James? This is Max, my youngest. He was just coming in to ask me a question, but there he's going to be the hockey player in my family. My my young, my older one that was with me when I that's at school right now, but is coming home. He grew up in a pro hockey locker room, and he could care less about hockey. Go figure. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that's just the way it works, right? Yeah, um, yeah. It's like showed up and it's like, ah, I want no part of this. Yeah. yeah. And it's a bit of a circus in my house, guys. So I apologize. There's people Boys. coming and the kids and dogs barking and shit. Yeah. So Jimmy's been through that in the in the years of the recent 10, 15 years or so yeah. with him. So he knows yeah. all about I'll it. Tell you, um, hey, uh, but you know, guys, speaking of that, Bobby Orr would not let his kid play hockey until he was an adult. He said, yeah. I'm not letting you do this because yeah. I don't want you to have that weight on your shoulders. They're gonna they're gonna be judging you and wanting to draft you when you're four years old. So he refused to do it. And like he didn't play hockey till he was 19. That's that's actually smart when you think. Could you imagine the scrutiny? Bobby Orr's kid playing even in little peewee bantam hockey yeah. leagues? They'd be just all over it and saying, "Well, <laughs> let's see what he's got," you know, and just giving him all kinds of circus media attention that he probably doesn't need at that age. Just a kid for crying out loud. So yeah. I actually made a smart move with that, that, no doubt. I do have to get look. The Carolina crowd in the playoffs is great. I think PNC Arena. It's a loud building. You've been there, Jimmy, at playoff yep. time, especially last year in particular when Boston played there. Uh, and you talk about how just loud it is in the playoffs, and they were loud last night. They got a little quiet in the later overtime periods, but they were tired. They were exhausted, like everybody else. You could tell the crowd wasn't nearly as loud mm-hmm. later in the game. But I have to give one guy in particular that they showed in the crowd a little bit of flack. I mean, seriously, out cold, sleeping uh, in the front row there, someone. Uh, I got one guy. Yeah. Yeah. Have you guys, have you, speaking of sleeping and staying yeah. awake, have you guys seen the video clip of the guy behind Maurice? So he's kind of like to the left. If you're looking at Maurice on the bench and there's a guy yeah. to his left yeah. and they're standing and he pulls out an eight ball, a Coke. I shit you not. He brings it up and he, he took, did a sniff and the video catches the whole thing. Wow, I didn't see that. No, I'm like, wow. oh, well, that's how they're staying awake there, I guess. <laughs> like, that would only see that in South Florida. That I could understand. You know, Miami, there's a lot of that down there. But like, oh my God, it was classic. Like, find it on Twitter. I'm like, oh boy, interesting. <laughs> so, so I was going to give that fan a lot of grief for falling asleep. How can you fall asleep in a playoff overtime game like that in the Eastern Conference? But then I also remembered. Hold on, now this group of fans. They tailgate in the parking lot of these home playoff games from like 1 o'clock, one yes. thirty in the afternoon. So if they've been pounding back beers from 1 p.m., one thirty in the afternoon, and it's 1 a.m. Eastern time there, and that overtime's still going, no wonder the guy's fucking done. 
Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, they do, man. Nick, I'll tell you, there's this one tailgate that's been there forever. Aaron Ward told me about it, and I'll, I, I'll never forget when we went to, I think the Bruins played them in the second round, or yeah, second round 2009. They went seven games. So that's when Scott Walker punched Aaron Ward. I don't know if you remember the sucker punch, and uh, he didn't get suspended. And then, of course, he scores the OT winner in game seven to knock the Bruins out. So anyhow, during that series, Wardo was like, hey, on your way in from the hotel, when you're walking through the parking lot, look for this flag and go there. It is the coolest tailgate you'll ever see. So I go there. They've got a pig roast going. They had breakfast food, everything. Just like, like college football tradition brought to hockey in Raleigh. It's, it's awesome. It, it was so cool. And yeah. if I, you know, if I wasn't working, I would have stayed out there with them. They were trying to force me to do shots of moonshine. I'm like, buddy, I got to cover a hockey game here. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, uh, even on the uh, I think it was the sports net because I was going back and forth. I had the sports net broadcast on for a bit, I had the TNT broadcast on for a bit, and even Craig Simpson on sports net said I was walking th- through the parking lot and there's like a 10 million tailgates set up and yeah, roasts and barbecue hot dogs and bergs on the barbecue and all this <laughs> stuff. It's like it's at 1 p.m. in the afternoon, six <laughs> hours, seven hours before the game even starts, and the yeah. place is filled with tailgates on a weekday, too. On a, yeah, exactly. <laughs> on a Thursday. Remember, it's Thursday. It's not even Friday it's, or Saturday. Wait till you know, tomorrow. Thursday. Yeah. Oh, the Saturday tail. Oh, man, that's going to mm. be lit down there in uh, Raleigh. Yep. So, yeah, incredible stuff. I want to give a shout out to the uh, an incredible we We rip and, uh, and talk about all the things ESPN's fucked up and gone gotten wrong with their coverage. For everything they've gotten wrong, TNT's gotten it right. Oh, yeah, they're I awesome. mean, my gosh, that crew last night, first they give you a whole one-hour pregame show. At seven, a one hour pregame, seven to eight, who, yep. like unheard of that they give you that much of a pregame for an American broadcast of NHL. The whole game, they give you overtime intermissions. Some of them were commercial free. They didn't even have a commercial in some of these overtime intermissions. Yeah. It's just Wayne, Biz. Well, you know uh, why? Because Carter, Lundquist. all the commercials paid up by that yep. point. So That's if they right. do it, they're giving them freebies. That's why. Yeah, and they just uh, – it's shooting the shit with your buddies at the bar type of conversation and discussion with them in the studio. It was great. And then after four overtimes, you think – and this is incredible to me. I couldn't believe it when I saw it. You think after four overtimes, you know what? Long night. We got to get the hell off the air. It's been a long night. They still delivered their usual like almost one-hour post game after that game ended last night. And it was like 2 a.m., 2.30 a.m. by that time. I couldn't believe it. Like you talk about giving hockey the royal treatment that so many uh, television partnerships in the States have failed to do in years past. Turner sports has done that. They've gone above and beyond shout out to everybody. And it's not just the on-air people who are spectacular and Liam McHugh's doing a nice job in that Ernie Johnson role there with the NHL guys in terms of just, He's a great, like, he interjects, he lets them do say what they want, and when he interjects, it's the right time to do it. They have a nice chemistry on the air, but it's also the people at Turner, the big wigs. The ESPN big shots could learn something from the Turner big shots who have let the NHL showcase themselves on their network, not rush them, not force them to start a game at 10 o'clock at night, not push them to, like, true TV or something, when you know, there's a baseball game on somewhere else, they've done it the right way. Turner Sports, bravo. Hell of a production last night. So I just wanted to say that for sure. Uh, I thought that was phenomenal uh, by them. Phenomenal work by them. Uh, and we'll see what ESPN. Like I say, ESPN, I like some of their guys, the on-air crew. But, man, they've made some horrible choices 
they haven't the, the product the decisions of you know the Sunday was a de- de- debacle in my mind with that Edmonton Vegas game. I like Sean McDonough. I like Bob Wischusen's terrific. I like Weeks. I like Boucher. Uh, they have some good on-air people, um, but boy, uh, they've got to fix their uh, shit when it comes to uh, giving hockey the, the treatment it deserves in terms of television coverage. Uh, but good on TNT, uh, James. What do you think of uh, the network coverage down there? Yeah, I mean, I don't watch too much of the stuff in between. I have seen a bit of when I see Gretzky on there, it's weird because, uh, you know, everybody thinks Wayne. I, I I play with some guys that played for Wayne when he was in his coaching tenure, and they said that was a bit of a shit show in Arizona. Yep. Yeah. Right, because he just he couldn't understand how like people didn't see the things he saw. So I think that that's why he struggled a little bit as a coach. But um, I'm not the biggest Biz fan, to be honest with you. I see Biz is getting some flack too in the chat. Um, but I I like like you said with Liam, he lets them, you know, he interjects and kind of lets them do their thing. It feels to me more genuine and authentic because that's what people want. They yeah. want to hear these guys, you know, um, open their open their minds, their hockey minds and, and let you hear it without feeling like it's so like stuffy and it's like so scripted. Yeah. And that's why I think I didn't watch any of this stuff between overtimes, but when these guys are allowed to just speak from the heart and just say, say what they think, like they're sitting in the room having a beer after the game, that's when it's good. And that's what the people want to see these days. They don't want to hear some stuffy ass like, Oh, don't say this. You can't say that. And that's why I think everybody loves Charles Barkley. Because he just says whatever the hell comes to his mind. And everybody's like, you know what? Like, everybody wants to say that, but they're too scared to say that. Yep. No, exactly. And Charles Charles Barkley, by the way, is going to go down as one of the most beloved, entertaining, colorful figures of sports media in history. History. He, he He's that he's that popular. He's that good. Uh, that's that's where he's going to be. He's going to rank a, as an all-timer, certainly. He's actually going to be more re- remembered. And he was an amazing player phenomenal MVP yeah yeah and all this he's actually going to be probably remembered more for his tv work believe it or not than than his playing days uh, in the nba that's how good obviously barkley uh, has been no question is the spit and chicklets interview with him this week was outstanding uh let's turn our attention before we get to dallas vegas game one let's turn our attention to the big news of the day kyle dubas no longer general manager of the toronto maple leafs uh, elliot friedman reported the news but we are still, at least we're still trying to finalize the details of how it got to this. And that's the confusing part. The Leafs put out a press release and it said, we have parted ways with Kyle Dubas. Uh, and apparently Shanahan have put, putting out the release there saying we've parted away. Well, hold on now. If you watch the media availability at the end of the season with Toronto on Monday this past week, Dubas said, you know, I've got to think about this decision and it's been a hard year. It's on the family and all this. And he made it sound like it was in his uh, it was in his hands, his decision firmly to decide whether he was going to return as general manager. Now that press release makes it sound like, no, Kyle Dubas didn't make the decision on his own, that he was let go by the, the club. So that's the part that's a little bit strange. I know Dubas said on Monday as well that if he's not going to return as GM of the Leafs, he won't be anywhere this season, uh, as in maybe he needs a mental break. He just needs to decompress. It's, you know, Apparently this season stressed him and the family the fuck out, and no wonder because of the expectations of the hockey team this year and the fact that he's playing without a – or he's GMing without a contract uh, this season – 
no wonder it's uh, put a lot of stress on him. And you can see maybe with the little incident he had in Tampa there, John, at one of the fans, maybe it's it, it spilled over to that, what happened there in Tampa Bay. But, you know, nevertheless, um, it's just surprising to me when I saw the way it was worded in the press release, because it sure sounded like Kyle was going to make the decision and it was his decision to make. Leafs wanted him back. Leafs were going to renew him. But Kyle was not sure about returning and he had to make the decision. And now I read the press release. It's like we parted we parted ways with him. So, you know, that's the concerning part. I know he said he's going to maybe take time off if he's not back in Toronto, but I'm already seeing things that there's so many teams that are be knocking on his door immediately to join them, if not in his GM, at least in some capacity. So uh, the future of Kyle Dubas uh, up in the air at this moment, but I'll say this right now. If you think Kyle Dubas is the number one reason the Leafs are where they are right now and uh, out of the second round, you need your head examined. I don't know what yeah. more the guy can can do. I mean, he put together, I mean, we brought in veteran defensemen, physical play, leadership, a Stanley Cup winner and Ryan O'Reilly. I mean, Luke Shen was phenomenal. A lot of the guys he brought in played well in the playoffs for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Luke Shen played great. O'Reilly was fine. McCabe was fine. I mean, all these guys. Achari was a nice laughing up. Lafferty. I mean, Lafferty was their best player in a couple of those games, mm -hmm. the best line in that Florida series. So the guys he brought in helped that team. You know, at the end of the day, you've got Matthews and Tavares combining for squat, jack shit in the goal department in that series against Florida. That's probably one of your bigger problems, you know, as to why you're not here. So uh, it's I, I just don't see how Toronto from the general manager chair is better today without Kyle Dubas. And I don't know if whoever takes that chair now moving forward is going to be a better option than Kyle Dubas. Did Kyle make mistakes? Yes. Did he overpay for Matthews Marner a little bit? Yeah. Tavares contract. Yeah. To, that's the tough one. That's the bad one. That's the real bad one. Uh, was it a mistake to let Kadri go? Maybe. Probably. I think he'd probably like a mulligan on that. Mason Marchment, you know, let go for a bag of pucks. And look what Mason Marchment's doing in Florida and Dallas uh, since then. So, yeah, he made some mistakes. No question. But I thought a lot of good he did as well, and more good than bad. I thought the team he had this year was a team on paper good enough to win. It didn't happen. And yeah. now I, I just wonder if the Leafs are going to have a GM as good moving forward. And I think it's going to be a challenge for them to find one. Uh, but, Jimmy, thoughts on Dubas out in T.O.? Well, look, I'm right with you. And the biggest thing to me out of all this, and you you harped on it a lot there, was the the press release and the wording of it. The, you know, we're moving on. Look. I'm not saying this is the case. I have no idea because Shanahan has not spoke. He's due to speak in 15 minutes. I'm just going off what they wrote. And wording it that way couldn't have made the Leafs look worse, in my opinion, than they could. Because here's a league and a team that's very active on this front that promotes mental health and, and says that they're behind everyone. And, you know, you we support mental health issues. And you just had a, your general manager basically, I mean, he was almost in tears. Spill his guts on Monday yes. about the emotional turmoil. The stage and, and, yep. and, and clearly going through some mental health issues, and there's nothing wrong with that. And you turn around and say, we're parting ways with him a couple days later. Not a good look, man, right now. Just not a good look. Now, their reasons might be some of the transactions we just listed there, Ian. There could be a, a variety of reasons, but they left that that idea that 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 chance that it's about that out there and whoever wrote that needs to be fired i mean that's just disgraceful public relations so that's the, that's the thing really that struck me the most 
Am I surprised that that they parted ways with them? No, I, I think one. I had a feeling one or the other was going to part ways with the other, right? I, I think that maybe they saw maybe he was going to part ways with them and let's beat him to the punch, which is kind of childish, but it happens. It's business, whatever. But I'm with you. None of this is his fault. I don't blame him for where the Leafs are. At one point, and, and James, I know you're a player, and you know, I never laced him up in the NHL, so maybe I'm out of place saying this, but like when you're paid that much money and you're dependent on to be the leaders and the superstars on your team, you, you have to show up sooner or later in the playoffs. You just I, have I, to. Yeah, Jimmy, I couldn't agree more. I mean, this I didn't even know that actually about Dubas. Um, actually, so I'm learning here too. Okay. I didn't see the press release. And and to be to be honest, I I never played um, a game in the NHL either. I played a lot of games in the minors and a lot of okay. games in Europe. But it's still um, you've got a lot more experience than yeah. Me. So um, yeah, just to be fair and not try to pretend I'm somebody that I'm not. Um, but I I agree with with the thought about Marners and Matthews. I mean, you talk about overpaying for Matthews or, Mar- or Marner. And again, I'm a Washington fan, so I went through all of these years when the Caps just couldn't get it done. And that's what I always tell my buddy. Actually, one of my best friends lives in the Hammer, and said, so, and I'm like, man, the the Leafs remind me so much of the Caps. It's like, yeah, you know, they played they played better last year when they lost in seven games in that series than they did he this year. Saying that the whole time. <laughs> yeah, um, and and you know, there was those years when the Penguins won two cups and the Caps lost in them in seven games both years. The next year they played worse, and they actually like ended up beating them. That's the year they went on to win the cup and. I feel for Leaf fans because they care so much about it. And the team is so damn good that Dubas going is it. It's not, it's not on him. Like he's built a pretty fucking good team. Excuse my language. Like he's, he's built a good team. And I love that he brought in O'Reilly because it was, that was the thing that they were missing. Like they were missing a guy that was a little bit of grit. Cause you got these pretty boys, Matthews and Meyer. And they're like, ah, it was, you know, um, so I, I feel bad for Dubas and maybe it was his doing. And you, like you said, Jimmy, like they, they try to beat him to the punch, which is childish, but it does happen. I, I think that the onus needs to go on the players. And, and I think that Matt, I didn't hear Matthew's post, you know, uh, exit interview, but I think for the most part, the players know that. And they're, they're probably like, you know what? It's not Dubas's fault. It, it's our fault. I we mean, I would hope. Uh, and, 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 and Matthew's, if, if they're not saying that, then they're definitely the problem. Yeah. Right. Because it's not like the, this finger pointing. And I know those, these guys are young, right? Um, you know, they're still, I don't know. I, you know what I concerned me about the Leafs too? And they said this on TSN's uh, 1050s radio program with Jeff O'Neill and Jamie McLennan and Brian Hayes. And I think there's some truth to this as well. I would have liked to hear a Matthews and a Marner in particular, even Tavares, who's stoic as can be. He's like robotic you know, with his uh, responses to the media. I'd like to see one of them sound pissed off, you know, after getting knocked out this year, like break some stakes, the sticks in the dressing room or something, or, you know, sc- yell out a scream or a yell or something of frustration or just some, you know, kind of like Leon. Leon said, well, it's just fucking disappointing. It's a kind of like a wasted year getting knocked out. I, all I heard from the Leaf guys after getting knocked out was, well, a couple bounces didn't go our way. Puck just didn't go in for us. And, that kind of thing. It's like, could someone get a little angry and frustrated visibly and just show a little vim and vigor and piss and vinegar and passion for getting knocked out early again? That's what I'm, that's what they were talking about. Everyone's just too, it's almost like they're getting fed a script from up above saying, Hey, 
You can't show any emotion, can't show that you're upset, can't show that you're angry. You got to just stick to the script and say, oh, the, just didn't get some bounces. Puck just didn't go in for us and that kind of shit over and over. I've heard it for years now. Every year they get knocked out. So that's the frustrating part. Yeah, and and I think that that's exactly what pisses the fans off. Yeah. It's because they're like, hey, take some fucking accountability for this. Like, don't tell me the same thing you told me last year. If the puck's not going in, fucking pick it up and knock the goal, you know, run the goalie over, get him out of the series, and maybe it'll start going in. Like, (laughs) you know, I don't know, do something. Don't just tell me every year that the pucks didn't, you know, the pucks didn't bounce our way. You gotta, you know, almost, uh, you know, will yourself to win sometimes because everybody knows the Stanley Cup's got to be one of the hardest to win, if not the hardest to win. You know, after you look at a game like last night, like it's it's. Um, and then you watch the NBA and the guys, you know, have to wheelchair the guy off if he gets poked in the eye. So it's, um, I don't know, man, I, I would just love to see these superstars more guys like Matthews. And again, I didn't hear their post, you know, um, you know, exit interviews, but to say, you know what, like I wasn't fucking good enough this series and not, you know, whether I got the bounces or not, I'm making 13 sheets or 12 sheets. I I just want to hear, we're not happy. We weren't good enough. Yeah. that I'll tell you something perfect for this was, uh, I will have to find it, but I know that the story goes when Scotty Bowman took over that Red Wings team and remember that Red Wings team, when he took it over was very much underachieving. Yeah. They made it to the cup final, but they got swept by the devils, but they were stacked every year. Right. And every year they were going to be that team to go. And they're always just, choking in the playoffs and i guess scotty bowman came in and his his first speech to the team was boys sometimes you gotta punch somebody in the fucking face and that's what we're gonna do this year and and that was in the game they were like what (laughs) and that that's exactly when when i think about the leaves i think about that saying right there they need somebody you know somebody's gonna go in or one of these players has got to stand up and say fuck this enough is enough like, you know, if we if we lose, we lose. But we got to go down swinging, man. We didn't go down swinging in that series by any means. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know it went to overtime. I get it. But they were soft. When it came down to it, the, the players they need to depend on were soft. And that's it, man. And, you know, you were talking, James, too. Another thing I wanted to bring up, the least fans there. I'm with you. And you will attest this because I just looked up your background on Hockey DB. You're a Holy Cross guy, huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you were you were at Holy Cross when the Red Sox broke the curse, correct? <laughs> I was. I was. All I, right. I don't know if it was my freshman or sophomore year. I told Ian about that. Yeah. Talking about, you know, exercising the demons. That was a fucking crazy. Yeah. Okay. Now that's what Toronto will be like when they finally win. And that's why I, I relate to Leafs fans. Growing up a Red Sox fan from Boston, all the heartbreak I went through, I know what they're going through. And it sucks. And you think you're so close. This is the year. This is you just keep hearing that, you know, and sadly. You know, a lot of people didn't see, uh, didn't hear that in their life. They never got to see the Red Sox win the World Series. I mean, they went 88 years or 86 years, whatever it was. So I relate to that, and I think that the players need to understand that more. They need to connect to their fans more. You know, you see the Bruins kind of take on that working class mentality, the big bad Bruins and the lunch pail guys. They've always tried to manifest the mentality of the city they're in onto the ice and feel what the fans are feeling. I don't see Toronto do that enough. And I think if they did, and they, they just had all that frustration that their fans have, then they might finally break through. But the, until they do something like that, and they just suck it up and play tougher, they're not going to. Yeah, and that's on the players, though, because, like, Matthews isn't from Toronto. He didn't give a fuck. 
You know, right. like, but he's, you know, he, he's like, ah, you know, like it didn't get our balances maybe next year. It's like, nah, dude, like that's not okay. <laughs> that That's not okay yep. to say that. Um, the whole lot yeah. of them said it. Tavares said it. Right. And, said and it. I'm not, I'm not, said it. Yeah. I'm the I one saying we don't need any changes. Like I yeah. typically take the player side on, on, on situations like this, because I know that a lot of times like fans are frustrated and they deserve to be because they're paying yeah. their money. But a lot of times, like you don't get everything that's going on also from the player side, like guys are really banged up sometimes and, and they're playing and we don't know the whole story as fans. And I'm more on the fan side now because I'm not in that dressing room. I remember when I was playing in the minors, I was playing for Lane Lambert was the coach, the best coach I ever had. He was coaching. He's now the coach in the Islanders for the Islanders. He was coaching Nashville's triple A team in Milwaukee. And he would come in as I remember on the bus specifically one time, he said, guys, somebody's leaking shit to the media. He's like, you've got to know that, somebody on this bus is saying things that they shouldn't be saying. He's like, <laughs> you've got to be okay with looking like an idiot to the, to the press because they're not supposed to know what we know. So stop fucking telling them. Okay. Like who cares if they think that you're playing like a pussy, if you're injured or who, who cares if they think this or they think that like we're putting the best team on the ice to win. Like they don't need to know everything that's going on in the dressing room. Right. And, and I know that the fans are like, Hey, we're paying our money and this and that, but I just wanted to bring up that side of it too, because yeah. I was, I was in a couple of those things where people are like, Oh fuck, like he's pissed, you know, like, let's, let's just do that. Coming from you talking to Ian about coming from the top and saying like, you know, being a little bit of a puppet and the, Hey, just, just company say, line. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so are you giving away company secrets though? Just saying, Hey, I need to be better. We need to be better. We're upset. We're pissed off that we're, out no, no, no. Again. I, I agree with you. That's and I'm, all I'm, looking that for. I'm not looking to say, give away personal shit that went on in the dressing room. I'm just saying, show a little, you know, a little anger. That agree. This no, no, no I, I agree with you. I'm just saying that, you know, sometimes there's, there's two sides of that. Right. And I'm yeah. just trying to bring up that other side because I'm on that side too. I say, Matthews has got to come out and say, I got to fucking be better. That's it. Like, yeah. I'm not going to say this or that. Like, we, I didn't score in the series. I'm making 13 million. Yeah. Well, look, look yeah. at Brad Martian when the Bruins lost to Florida. I mean, yeah. he, he, and look at him every time, you know, and over, that's a perfect guy. If you want to talk about watching someone mature as a leader and as a player, he's a perfect example, man. I mean, he went from a, a joke and a, just a, you know, what are you doing, dude? You're licking a dude? What the hell's wrong with you? know? And then now look at him. He's a leader. And right away, he owned it when they came off and they lost that game seven. And every man to, a, you know, every man on that team did because they have leaders like that to follow. The, no. the Leafs don't have that. I'm sorry. Like, I think John Tavares is one of the best players of the last decade. I think, I think by all accounts, I don't know him personally. I've met him a couple of times, but more in a professional setting. But, you know, I think he's kind of soft. I, I'm sorry. I think, you know, but he, he seems like a good guy, but he's not a captain. He's just not. And they I'd need, like to see Morgan Riley be the captain of that team. I've been saying they that need, Well, they need somebody yeah. that's going to yeah. do exactly all the things we're talking about yeah. right now. By the way, James, I just uh, been texting with my – my cousin is watching us, uh, Brendan Murphy. Oh, Does he know yeah, you? I, never, I went to school with him, of course. Yeah, yeah you told me to call you Bubba. Yeah, they call me. <laughs> wow! I, I lost that when I got the pro. I'm like, they, nobody knew that, so they they just called me Sixer, which was better for me. But there what's up, Brendan? Good, good to see you, buddy. 
Yeah, he know. said. Uh, he said, "Ask him how many beers we crushed on Thursday nights." Yeah, well, I'm drinking one now, so we have not much to change. <laughs> yeah, James I was trying to it cleared it by me saying, "Am I allowed to drink on the show?" Oh, I'm like, yeah. What do you think? Of course, on this show, we're all heavy drinkers, and we uh, we we approve drinking. Uh, that's there for sure, go. especially on the betcasts. And by the way, it's a good segue. Betcasts Wednesday night next week which will be game four for Florida, Carolina, next Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern. And we'll also have a Saturday BetCast. I know you've all been, uh, you know, clamoring for a Saturday BetCast. We will have one next Saturday, May 27, 8 p.m. Eastern. It'll be game five of the Vegas-Dallas series next Saturday night. ABC, it's a primetime ABC game. Uh, Like I said, I'm going to have faith that that series is not going to be a sweep for either team. I'm very confident in that. So I don't think this is one of those situations where we're scheduling it ahead of time and watch. It'll be 4 nothing for Vegas or Dallas. I don't see that happening in that series. So I'm pretty damn sure we'll have a game five betcast for you next Saturday uh, at 8 p.m. Eastern. So there's our next two betcasts. Wednesday, Carolina, Florida, game four next week. And then Saturday, game five, Vegas, Dallas, both next week. That's also Memorial Day weekend, by the way, Saturday, May 27, uh, when we do the uh, Game 5 Vegas-Dallas uh, uh, betcast. So looking forward to that. Speaking of that, can we can we get to Vegas? And I can tell you why. I, I want to see Bruce Cassidy bring the Stanley Cup back to Boston. We will. Absolutely. That's next up, Vegas-Dallas. We're going to finally, after uh, all this ga- last night's talk and the J- Dubas talk, we're going to move on and talk Game 1, preview it. Dallas-Vegas coming up. Hit the like button if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, and shout out to our podcast listeners. Great show. Back to talk Dallas-Vegas in just a second after we hear from Gramco. Support for the Ice Gas is brought to you by Gramco. Whether you or your team's game is on the field, screen, racetrack, court, or the ice, Gramco is for the game. Grown by farmers who spent years developing premium hemp genetics, Gramco provides customers with consistent quality Delta 8 THC products ready for any occasion. Gramco currently offers numerous Delta 8 products, including vape cartridges, disposable vapes, pre-rolls, gummies, wake-and-bake coffee, and more. Gramco offers an enjoyable, legal high delivered discreetly and directly to you. Gramco is also available at many American retailers as well. You can get the best Delta cannabis products on the market shipped quickly and discreetly from Gramco. And if you visit www.thegramco.com, use promo code ICEGUYS, you will get 20% off of every order. And any order that's on the site over $50 will be shipped free with standard shipping. So live elevated with Gramco and check out their wonderful Delta 8 products today. All right, it is time to talk Game 1 Western Conference Finals tonight in Sin City. Dallas Stars, Vegas Golden Knights, ESPN has this series, of course, uh, with uh, Sean McDonough, Ray Ferraro, and Emily Kaplan, the crew calling it. Uh, we've got Vegas minus 125 home favorites, uh, five and a half being the total uh, in this game. Uh, we talked about the series in general on Wednesday with uh, Chad Naring and uh, Kevin Beach uh, on that show. I mentioned that uh, the props, just to reiterate, uh, Pavelski to have more goals than Stone. Um, Rope hints uh, as well to have more. I believe it's points uh, than I'm, I see. I'm blanking on it now. Here we'll bring up the uh, the uh, odds here. But yeah, the one that I like the most in this series in terms of the props was uh, Pavelski over Stone as far as goal props uh, in this series. Uh, yeah, it's uh, minus 150 over Stone. Stone with the wonky back. I think they could you know hurt his uh, production a little bit. The point props uh, as well. Uh, two that I liked, Hints minus 135, more points in the series over Mark Stone. 
So, you know, kind of fading Mark Stone a little bit in this series just because he's banged up, not under percent. So many other players for Vegas can produce offensively for them. And then the one I really like, unless I'm I always worry because, he, you know, maybe he does wake up and he gets on fire all of a sudden because sometimes when you get a point or a goal, the floodgates can open. But nothing I've seen out of Jason Robertson tells me he's got confidence right now. He's lost a lot of his confidence. I mean, Dallas is here in spite of struggles offensively from Jason Robertson in this series. So I am on Jack Eichel, minus 115 more points than Jason Robertson uh, in this series for uh, Vegas. I mean, Jack Eichel was terrific. Uh, in the Edmonton series. There's nothing else you can say. He played great both ends of the ice. He got better, I thought, uh, as the series uh, went on uh, in that uh, Edmonton second round. So uh, just to have more points, Jack Eichel, than Jason Robertson, I thought that was a good prop bet. Again, Eichel ended the uh, Edmonton series with uh, seven points in the last four games. So he had a really, really strong finish uh, to that series. As far as game one goes tonight, look, I said, you know, the team coming off the seven game series win could be a little bit vulnerable in game one. Plus, we have evidence that Dallas here in game ones, you know, they've not always uh, put their best foot forward uh, by any stretch of the imagination. The Minnesota series, the uh, the, the Seattle series, they lost in overtime uh, in game one. So I kind of favor Vegas here, but I think I'm going to stick to the approach that worked for me last night with Carolina, with the home team last night. And that's playing them only in the first period where last night I took Carolina minus a half plus 175 in the first period. I did not touch the money line though, uh, for the full game. And I think that's the way I'm going to approach this game here, uh, tonight as well. Just go with Vegas in the first period, uh, as opposed to the full game. And if you go with the, uh, Vegas puck line, uh, in the first period, you get plus 186 at Pinnacle uh, and plus 175 at uh, some other books. Like plus 175 is the average price, but you can get upwards of plus 186. So I do like Vegas early, feed off the home crowd. Dallas is coming off the seven-game series with Seattle. They may not have their best early in the game. So I'm going to look to that. And it's uh, I'm also, even though last night's game stayed under, you know, I still think Game ones in particular, I like to look over. You know, you get a little sloppy play. I mean, when you look at Dallas in particular, they've had some high-scoring game ones. Uh, you look at Vegas and Edmonton in the second round. That game went uh, over the total uh, in game one. So uh, at five and a half even money here, minus 110, minus 115 or so, uh, I do like over five and a half here tonight with the Stars uh, and the Golden Knights. Should be a great series. I'll get to some props in just a moment, but uh, – Jimmy, we'll start with you on this one. What do you think? Game one, Dallas, Vegas. Guys, I, I think this is going to be a great series. I'm sensing seven games, so I've already bet that to go seven games for sure. I just I think it's going to be a war of attrition. Um, and I, I look at this, too. I mean, two very strategical coaches, right? Um, kind of of the old school I think a little, so it's kind of a throwback and that's, I think that's kind of the feel we're going to get. I think it's going to be a much, I know there's a lot of skill on both sides, but I do think it's going to be very physical. And the way I look at it right now, guys, is, you know, you look at the Vegas golden Knights and I, I don't know if I said this last week or I said it on something. I appeared, <laughs> I lose my mind lately, but I'm telling you, I think that the irony of Bruce Cassidy coaching this golden Knights team is that he has the same like modeled or type of defense that the blues had in 2019 that just ate the Bruins forwards up, just completely sucked them up and wore them down. And that's what this defense is. And if Dallas can't find a way around that defense and can't find a way to get to the net and really 
cause havoc in, in front of the goalie, uh, you know, they're going to lose this series. So I think that's going to be a really interesting matchup to watch there. Kenling's wingers drive to the net. Like, we haven't really seen anyone be able to do that, even even with Drysdale. I mean, I know he was playing great. He, he still had a great series. But a lot of times you would see him getting pushed to the per- perimeter, right? And I think that's the key there. Can they just break through that perimeter? And so um, I think it goes seven games. I, I, I agree with you on Eichel. That's a great prop. I'm going to have to take it as well. I've actually already put down Eichel uh, as a Con Smythe uh, winner for me. I did that yesterday. So... I think he's a good candidate. People want to still jump on that and get value. And I look at Jonathan Marshall, so guys, to keep it up. Oh, yeah. I think anything prop wise on him is good. Um, I also look at it, you know, the defense, Theodore can get some points for you too. So rack it up there. But I think the one thing, and we talk about a team in a dressing room, we're discussing at least they're kind of rallying around something. I do think this dressing room in Dallas really wants to get one for Pavelski. Like, I think that's a rallying cry to get him a cup. Um, and so maybe that's a, that's a guy to watch as well. He always comes up big in the clutch. So keep an eye on him. Uh, and I hope he comes through in the clutch in this series. Cause I mentioned on Wednesday's show, I bet Pavelski three or more goals in the series, even money four or more goals in the go. series plus two eighty. And I even sprinkled on Joe Pavelski, five or more goals in the series at plus 600. He had eight in the Seattle series. Now I know four of them came in game one, you know, four of them in the same game, but I think he's got a chance to get three, four, five goals in this series. So yeah, all about Joe Pavelski uh, in the prop world here. So those are the main uh, props. I'm also on the six and seven game series props, just like in the Florida Carolina, I took six games and seven games plus 200. If one of them hits it's profit. Same with this series, six games, seven games plus 200. If one of them hits, it's profit. If it goes six, if it goes seven, as long as it goes that long, we're going to cash one of those, and it'll be some profit out of it because it's plus 200. So uh, those are the uh, bets pre-series. Tonight I'm on Vegas first period puck line and also uh, over five and a half in the game. Uh, James, what do you think? Series and game one, Western Conference Finals, Dallas-Vegas. Well, I, I hate to agree with you guys, uh, but – I just I wouldn't be laying juice on any individual game in this series for the same reasons. I mean, Hints looked like a monster in the last series. That's you know I know Jimmy, you were talking about the D on the Golden, uh, you know, on Vegas, mm-hmm. you know, being tough. And that's one guy that's a he's a fucking bear. He's a tough to handle. He can skate. He's big. Um, so that's somebody I look to just you know see if he can mix it up and 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 get to the net and get chances. Yeah, sure. The thing about Vegas in previous years and is they didn't really have – they were kind of like a by-committee team. You know, they had a good defense. They, like they, Seattle. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But now, you know, Eichel has been looking – and I am i don't really love Eichel's demeanor. That's just a personal thing. But he's been great. Like, he's he's been great. And he may be that guy that, Vegas, that pushes Vegas to win the cup. I mean, if he plays like he's been playing. But I look for this series to be – you know, really, really, really hard-fought series. Um, you know, Pavelski, I don't know. I know everybody wants to win one for Pavelski, but I don't think it's a great matchup for him personally to get all those goals because of that stifling defense that they have. He's not the quickest guy anymore. He can sure score, but it's going to have to be on the power play, I think. Yeah. Um, five and- on five, they dominated Edmonton, and their five on five play Vegas is outstanding. They can, And their, their lines are interchangeable, lines one through four. They can all contribute. They're all capable offensively, and they're good defensively, all four lines. And I think I have to give Vegas' blue line an edge because after Haskinen, there's a lot of 
like he pulls up that Dallas blue line, Haskinen, because he's just so incredible. That guy's God, a beast, so Haskinen. So There's no good. question. He's so good. And but Lindell's, you know, iffy. Suter's best days are behind him. You know, you got Hanley at the bottom of that, um, and Harley and Hanley at the uh, bottom of that defense. Colin Miller, just a stay-at-home guy. Whereas you look at Vegas, Petrangelo, Martinez, Theodore, maybe the best third pair in hockey with White Cloud and Nick Hague. That's how good they are. Nick Hague and Zach Whitecloud. I mean, they have they do have more depth on the blue line, Vegas, and uh, Dallas is going to have to counter that somehow. Yep, I, I agree. I think that that's the thing to watch in the series. If Hens can still be a monster out there and, and can and they can create any kind of offense because, you know, they've been, I guess you said, uh, you know the statistics better than I. In the Edmonton series, they were good five on five, but that's going to be, I, I think that's almost the opposite of the way they're going to have to beat them because I don't, I don't see them dominating five on five with that with Vegas's decor. I just don't. And if Pavelski, especially, you're talking about the props for Pavelski, he's a gamer. Everybody knows that. However, you know, it's like he, like I said, he's not the fastest guy anymore, and that that. Blue line can skate. He's going to be scoring some goals on the power play. I, don't, I just don't see him getting four or five on five in the series or three or whatever it was. Yeah, I think that's uh, – I'm hoping he does, but you're right. There's going to be a challenging defensive matchup this round compared to Seattle for him. So, you know, let's see. But but at the same time, you know why I think he still can, James? Because he just elevates in the bigger yeah. games, the bigger series. I've, I've seen conference finals. I've seen him in a Stanley Cup final that even when they lost San Jose to Pittsburgh that year in the Stanley Cup finals, Pavelski was immense in that Stanley Cup final. He was incredible with the way he played. He just finds a way somehow yeah. in the bigger games. So that's what I'm banking on, literally. And, yeah, for the, so for the series, I, I agree. I mean, I hope he does. I want them to win the series, and I think it's going to go six or seven. I just don't know that they – I mean, they do have the goaltending edge, I think, even though, you know, Andre did get pulled in game six or whatever. You know, uh, I, I, I just think that Vegas is just too deep on the blue line. And if Ico can keep it up, I just – you know, unfortunately, because I want Dallas to win, but I think Vegas is the better team. Yeah, it's uh, it's that's and look, I in both of these series, I have Carolina futures before the season, Dallas futures to win the conference and the cup in March. I bet those. So and Carolina before the season to win the East and the cup. So I'm cheering for Dallas, Carolina and Dallas. I financially, that's much better for me. Mm-hmm. But I think I said it yesterday. I think Florida's capable of beating Carolina, and I'm saying it today. I think Vegas is capable and just might beat Dallas. And I actually side with the two teams I don't want to see win, you know, in sure. this round. Yeah, which is Vegas and Florida. Uh, and that's the way I'm – and I like Vegas tonight, but specifically in the first period for that great value, plus 175 to plus 186 we're looking at with that puck line to get the lead in the first 20 minutes. Because, again, that first 20 minutes, Dallas coming off that seven-gamer with Seattle – Kind of like, you know, with the Florida off the long respite and they were down one nothing after the first mm-hmm. period. I think kind of the same tonight. I like Vegas. Vegas, you could take them full game money line. I lean that way too, but I really like the first period. And because the price is so good, it's plus 175. It's a great price. Uh, I'm going to jump on that there. Vegas to get the lead in the first 20 minutes there at the uh, Fortress tonight. As far as props go, you know, I would, you know, look at um, for Vegas, I'll start there. Um, obviously, you know, I'm already tied up in Pavelski, so I wouldn't talk anyone out of Pavelski props and Rope hints. And by the way, there's a great prop at FanDuel. Rope hints and Joe Pavelski, seven plus goals combined in the series, plus 240. 
phenomenal. And Kevin Beach mentioned liking that prop as well uh, on Wednesday. I think that's a good one. Uh, Hints Pavelski props worth a look. As far as uh, Dallas as well uh, in the uh, prop discussion tonight, shots on goal props. You know, stick to the guys that you think are going to be volume shooters. Jason Robertson still can go over his shot prop. It's just nothing's going in. Uh, but he is still shooting quite a bit. You know, Hints Sagan, um, Pavelski. Uh, Haskinen, they're all good shot props for Dallas. Vegas, I'd probably say Eichel. Marsha So is number one. Marsha So is shooting like a crazy right now. Like he's getting four, five, six shots on goal pretty much every game lately. And he's been scoring. So Marsha So is prop player number one for Vegas tonight. There's no question about that. He's been scoring. He's been shooting the puck a lot. So goal props, point props, and shots on goal for Marsha So. Uh, Ivan Barbashev, he's been starting to pick up some points lately. The the point prop for Barbashev for Vegas makes sense as well. Same with Riley Smith. If you're looking for value, bargain bin goal props, Stevenson, Carlson, and Nicholas Waugh probably for Vegas uh, are are players that I would target just because you get better prices uh, with those guys. Uh, And for Dallas, if you're going to look at the bargain bin for goal props, you know who I'm going to target, and it's always going to be the young rookie, uh, Wyatt Johnston who continues to be around that plus 300 range as far as his goal score prop. And this guy just has been able to step up even as a rookie, you know, barely 20 years old for the uh, Dallas Stars. So definitely some props that I'm uh, interested in as far as uh, this game goes tonight with the uh, Stars uh, and the uh, Golden Knights. All right, great stuff. Um, That's a a look at game one tonight, Western Conference Finals. Uh, We'll be back to wrap up the show in a moment. Hit that like button. We appreciate it. Check out patreon.com slash ice guys, just $10 a month. Uh, Goalie charts, totals charts, power ratings, daily ice guys show betting card. uh, And of course, lots of bonus video content there as well. So check it out. Patreon.com slash ice guys, just $10 a month. And make sure you check out the ice guys store iceguys.myspreadshop.com the weather's warming up get yourself some gear get yourself some ice guys merch at iceguys.myspreadshop.com back to wrap it up with best bets after we hear from manscaped support for the ice guys is brought to you by manscaped who is the best in men's below the waist grooming their products are precision engineered tools for your family jewels manscapes performance package the ultimate men's hygiene bundle join over 7 million men worldwide who trust manscaped with this exclusive offer for you 20 percent off and free worldwide shipping with the promo code iceguys that's promo code i-c-e-g-u-y-s at manscaped.com If my math is correct, it's about 14 million balls that you can preserve. The Performance Package 4.0 is the complete accessory package to take care of everything that is required. You've got, of course, the Lawnmower 4.0. Takes care of your facial hair uh, and, among other things, uh, you've got, of course, the Weed Whacker. I'm approaching 40. Nose hair has become a major issue. It pisses the hell out of me. I need to take care of that shit, and the Weed Whacker can help you do that. Both of these products, waterproof and a 4,000K LED spotlight for a more precise shave. And you'll also be able to take care of those delicate areas with the ball toner, with the ball deodorant. Keep you smelling good, looking good, and feeling good down in the nether regions. This complete performance package 4.0 will take care of everything for you, for all you guys out there. And it's courtesy of our good friends at manscaped.com. So get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code ICEGUYS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. 
and use promo code ICEGUYS. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. All right, it is time for best bets. And for those of you asking, yeah, Alex will be back tomorrow. Uh, he just got back from uh, Chicago uh, late yesterday. So just giving him a day to rest up and he'll be back tomorrow. Remember, only one show now on weekends, Saturday at noon. And we'll talk about both weekend games. So we're on tomorrow. And then, of course, we'll be back on Monday uh, for another a new week of the show. Uh, James Sixsmith, great job, man. Great energy. Uh, you brought your uh, A game today on your first ever Ice Guys appearance. Uh, awesome job. What do you like for best bet tonight if you had to pick one? Uh I, I I like Vegas. Uh, I don't really want to lay the 125, but um, I I don't know. I I think that they're uh, I think that they're the better team, and I'll take Vegas minus 125. There you go, Vegas minus 125 against Dallas. Best bet for James Six Smith on his first appearance here on the uh, Ice Guys Show. And Jimmy Murphy, it's always a great day when I see it. it's Friday on the calendar and we get to see our man with the hat, uh, Jimmy Murphy. Uh, what do you like here, Jimmy, for best bet? All right, so here's what I'm going to do. I got kind of a crazy uh, – I, I want to give you three quick bets, and I'll give you my best. I like your first period bet there, but that's not my best bet. Uh, I like Vegas first period puck line. Then I'm going to do – I'm going to jump in live, and I got the feeling this is going to be one of these games, almost like last night, very low scoring. Vegas takes the lead early. I, I think Dallas creeps back into it. So might jump on them to if you know if it's a, they're down by one maybe second in a mission might jump on them to take the third period there and score the next goal, but the best bet is going to be overtime again, boys. I like another for a second straight night. We're going extra time. Give me the draw. There you go. All right, there you go. Liking the draw is Jimmy Murphy, uh, and I'm kind of pissed off. I didn't take the draw last night, but usually I don't love betting draws in game ones. Usually I look later in the series, but. Just because after what I saw last night, you know, I'm going to be tempted to at least put a couple bucks, very something small on the draw tonight. So Jimmy liking the draw here. And again, shop around. You can get really good price with the draw upwards of plus 350, you know, at FanDuel. So make sure you shop around. Jimmy liking the draw. Another overtime game potentially tonight with Dallas and Vegas in game one of the Western Conference Finals. All right. Great stuff. Great show. Thanks to everyone for joining us. Hit the like button on the way out. A reminder. The Ice Guys is live Monday to Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern, Saturday, noon Eastern. If you can't watch the show live, download the Ice Guys podcast in audio form on all major podcast platforms, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and more. Download the Ice Guys podcast when you can't watch the show live. For Jimmy Murphy, for our special guest, James Sixsmith, I'm Ian Cameron. Have a great Friday. Enjoy the games and good luck. Enjoy game one of the Western Conference Finals tonight. And we'll be back tomorrow on Saturday, noon Eastern, for another edition of the Ice Guys presented by National Hockey Now. Ah.